The Bulls have three seconds to try a shot and try to win the game. This is the Notebook Wagering Podcast. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Unbelievable. Coming to you from the betting deck. Don't believe what I just saw. Here are your hosts. Hey, good evening, everybody, and welcome back to the Notebook Wagering Podcast. We have a full crew tonight. We got J-Cam, we got Smitty, we got Q with us back from Parts Unknown, myself leading off here. Boys, we got a big slate, special guest on tap tonight. We'll keep him on the uh, back burner here for a quick second. Give us a little rundown. J-Cam, start us off. What do you got going? I've become a uh, full-blown college baseball fan. I've probably watched more games the last weekend than I have in maybe ever. Uh, so the Q and me have hooked me in. Did pretty well with my futures. I thank you to the UConn Huskies. You've never done well for me in the NCAA tournament, but you did well for me here in the uh, regional round. And uh, taking a look here to see if there's any value with games starting up tomorrow. Q, heading out of the two-hole, what do you got on tap? I like that Jason's converted to college baseball. I think it's the second best college tournament uh, in college sports. Uh, but, you know, congrats to UConn winning him money, but not so fast. About done for them. We'll get to that later. Smitty, three hole, you're up. Yeah, I just want to say Cameron Young, great performance last Sunday. You shot a plus 11 and took me out of the top 10 for big money. I did not know I showed up and played the round for you. Thank you so much. Uh, like Matt usually says, maybe I'll never bet on you again. Glad to be here. I'm excited. There's some great sports to talk about. Let's get it going, guys. So before we uh, bring on our special guest, I am going to give Billy Horschel a huge shout out because he is on my do not playlist for golf. But I did play him in my DFS lineup and actually cashed some money this week. Finally. Finally. So, Billy Ho, you're back in my good graces. Billy Ho's hater. Yeah, I love him. He actually is a good Twitter follower, too. You should check him out. So uh, without further ado, we got a special guest tonight. We have our friend from the uh, One More podcast. His name is Steve, but he goes by Shrimp Cocktail 8 on Twitter. This guy is a salad connoisseur, and he also is one of the best pony handicappers out there. He's so under the radar. We get a little chance to talk to him tonight steve what's going on man hey guys how y'all doing good to be on uh yeah so we're gonna talk about the belmont that's what we're gonna do first now nah, we'll, we'll hit the nba first we'll save the okay. belmont for uh, a little bit later in, the, in your uh spot segment here but let's jump into the nba fellas so we got uh celtics won game three and pretty impressively in my opinion draymond green turned into full goon the Celtics look solid. They got one more game at home. Uh, the, the betting public so far has been all over the Warriors, which is good. And all the pros last night, the smarts, sharps, whatever you want to call them, were all over the Celtics. So I think uh, the bookies probably took a beat last night if the big money was on the Celtics. We have game four coming up tomorrow night. We have an over under a 214. And the Celtics right now are at minus four. Steve, give us a little, uh, little spot on these guys. Uh, you know, 
I'm, I haven't really looked into the numbers yet on this game. You know, a lot of my, my analysis comes from betting percentages and so on. And yesterday, that's what made me like the Celtics so much on the money line. I saw the Warriors were a big public dog. Uh, you know, when you see 70, 75% of the money and wagers on a plus money dog in a big game like the NBA Finals, I mean, it's it's almost – I would say at least 90% that the public's going to lose a game like that. Uh, you know, tomorrow, the game is tomorrow, right? It's Yeah. Tomorrow yeah, night on yeah. ABC, yeah. 9 o'clock. You know, Curry's banged up. I mean, you know, on paper, it looks like Boston should win again. But, I mean, early on, I kind of lean towards the under. The way the game ended – uh, it kind of was ending on a, a slower pace last night. And, you know, it just seems like Boston, when they want to, they lock them down and can hold them down, and, and especially in the fourth quarters. Um, they had a pretty uh, even shooting game, I would say. You know, like neither team really shot lights out last night and the game barely did get over. Uh, I'm thinking – that the under is probably what I'm going to lean to tomorrow. But like I said, I don't really have anything strong yet on a game. Uh, if you put a gun in my head, I could see Boston definitely winning a game. But there's a there's a stat that that I mentioned on the one more podcast yesterday about uh, NBA teams. Every team that has won has covered for like the last month, which is incredible. I mean, I think eventually we're going to see that trend break i mean uh you know they mentioned it on Vison today uh courtesy of me because i brought it to the attention and uh you know i i just i think eventually you're gonna see a, a money middle and this this next game could be it i mean golden state does seem to be outclassed uh i mean boston is the more physical team i think they're the more talented team i mean outside of curry but you know Let's face it. I mean, Golden State are champions. They they're not just gonna fold with ten and go and, and stop trying. So I mean, they they're gonna come tomorrow to play. I I wouldn't be in a hurry to lay the four. Uh, but like I said, I think Boston's gonna win the game. I think this series is gonna be over in uh, five or six. Um, that's just you know from the early assessment. That's what I see. But to, by tomorrow evening, I should have a better read on what's going on with the, with the money and everything. And I'll have a better opinion at that point, you know, Jason, you have anything for Steve on the NBA here? Sure. I'm just going to wait till the, uh, the officials come out tomorrow. I'm fully expecting Earl Hebner to come out for uh, the NBA and make sure this gets back to golden state splitting the series. Uh, it, it's the hardest thing. Like Steve's analysis makes perfect sense. Right. And yesterday I was tied up with work. Didn't even get a chance to really break down the game too much. And all I had to see was Scott Foster was calling the game uh, and boom, it was auto played Boston is because I think I forget what his record is with the Celtics. It's insane. Like, you know, the comedian Bill Burr, who I'm a fan of, he made the joke that the NBA is becoming basically pro wrestling. And sure enough, it seems like it is. It seems like whoever's the official is the key to the game. I mean, what do you think, Smitty? I, well, I jumped in. I went three and one last night. Uh, you know, I was in some communications uh, with some of Stevie's information, which was just dynamite. I played the Celtics money line. I did some player props. One thing I think in this series is the bench. I'm a big 
you know, White has been fantastic. Now, that was the player prop I lost. I had over 11 and a half. He just didn't get a lot of run in the late third, um, fourth quarter action. Now, one key player, Grant Williams, I think should be playing a lot. I played the over nine and a half points, rebounds, and assists. Uh, I think he was a fit. I think he got up to 15 combined with that. I think he's been fantastic. I played Draymond Green under 21 and a half points, rebounds, and assists, just because, like you said, Jason, the officiating, I think, was going to be a lot tougher in there. The game before out in Golden State, I mean, the guy was, like, tackling people. He's coming down and running into Celtics, but they don't call. Then, you know, one of the worst things is he gets an early technical. Then he tackles Tatum. He puts his feet up in his face. They shove each other. And they're like, well, you can't throw him out because it's early in the game. Well, why can't you? And now today, the greatest thing is, is Weiss complaining because they're saying some negative things in the crowd, and it's chance. And guess what? You know what I said to my dad today? I didn't know this game was getting played in church. I mean, the crowd can do whatever they want in a, in a certain way. So, like, their their fan base is, the, is, is great. As you can tell, you know who I'm rooting for in this series. I'm a Celtics diehard. I love it. I don't like Draymond Green. Matt has said it pretty well today on Twitter. I'm going to keep looking. The guy can't shoot. I'm just going to keep going with that. I think the Celtics are really, really deep in this. I love the bench. You know, uh, Robert Williams played, I thought, fantastic game last night. Now, does he come back in a short one day off with the knee coming back? But Stevie made a good point now, too. It's Curry, what's the injury? If he can't go, if he's 70 75%, Man, Golden State's in trouble. And Clay Thompson, you know, great comeback, shot extremely well, but they won't have enough if Curry isn't there. So that's just my two cents. Now I agree with the the minus four scares me a little bit because can I see this going to game seven just to make the TV ratings great? Yes. You always factor with the NBA. Q, you got anything? I got nothing. Right. No, I, I, I've been locked in on college baseball, so I haven't really followed with the NBA playoffs and, and the Belmont things like that. All right, I'll we, change. Call Boston fans great to passionate because I don't want to give <laughs> any more credit than we have to. <laughs> J Cam, I think that stat was twelve and zero with Scott Foster in games I saw. I'm pretty sure he's twelve. The Celtics were twelve and zero. I'm not sure if it was against the spread, but I think it's twelve and zero straight up when Scott Foster officiates the game. So, yeah, what you said is is definitely spot on with the officials. It's, I mean, it's, it's – There's just way too many of those streaks in the NBA with officials and teams. Like, there's something they have to look into. Or they're just going to get – you know, people are going to bring up all the Donaghy stuff again because it's like that was a big part of that whole trial. It was that, you know, that they get instructions to legally kind of alter games. And, boy, it sure looks like they do. No doubt. Steve, I, I have a quick question, Matt. I'd love to ask Steve on this. So what's your opinion on these third quarters? What's going on in the locker room here? Golden State comes out in the first three games and has just played fantastic. And Boston is just sleepwalking in the third quarter. And like last night, big lead, got it down. Golden State, I think, took a quick lead, I think, at the end of the third quarter. What do you think's going on there? And please don't say Steve Kerr is the greatest head coach on the planet. <laughs> Honestly? I think that it's, you know, I've been betting the NBA for a long time, and 
I notice a trend. Uh, when you when you bet on a team that's that's losing at halftime, you don't want them to make that run in the third quarter. That's bad. That's always a bad. You want them to to keep the game kind of even and then make that big run in the fourth quarter. It's like it's almost like you're showing your hand, like these coaches show their hand in the third quarter. And it gives the other team time to adjust to what they're they've adjusted to. So I always believe you should save your, you know, your best moves for the for later in the game. And I think that's kind of what's happening here. I mean, I think Kerr might have made a few adjustments, but I mean, let's face it, the reason a big part of that third quarter was I think they had a seven or nine-point play. They filed Curry shooting a three. And then, you know, it was a technical foul. I think they come out of that play with, with seven points or something. Like, that was a big swing in the third quarter. And that that was part of the reason they closed the gap, you know, yesterday. Now, the other games, I, you know, I, I just think it's – I don't know. I mean, it just what, – what, what I notice, the biggest thing I notice is just the way Boston plays defense in the fourth quarter. It's like they're a different team in the fourth quarter. They lock you up. I mean – from what I've seen, I think it's probably the two best teams were Miami and Boston because Miami kind of did the, the same thing. Like they they would lock teams up in the fourth quarter. And that's that's a key to being a championship team when you you got to get those stops late in the game. And that they do, you know, they can get them. But, you know, as far as the third quarter, like I said, I just think Kerr's making some adjustments and they come out, maybe they get get a little hot shooting, but it doesn't last. It could be it could have something to do with Golden State, you know, taking a halftime break maybe they fresher the legs are fresher they shoot better in the third quarter I, I don't know later in the game you know those guys are getting up in age you know curry draymond green maybe they, they get more down late in the game against this tough physical team i mean let's face it boston's deep they throwing a lot at them you know steve i want to touch on one quick thing and then we can move over to the belmont i think you've kind of summed it up with you think boston just has more class and i think ties in the two players and Smitty brought up one and it's Robert Williams and then Marcus Smart. And you just brought it up how they play defense in the fourth quarter. They basically have the two defensive players of the year on their team. And I think that makes a huge impact on the stretch. And then it, you're basically when the Warriors are shuffling out Draymond Green there in the fourth quarter, he is not an offensive option. They can pick and roll all they want. And Williams and Smart can just double team and let Draymond do his own thing because he poses no threat. I think that's been the key in the series. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's almost like they're playing four on five. And I mean, it's like Boston's uh, they're daring him. They're leaving him wide open for threes, daring him to take them. And he can't, he, he just can't make them. I mean, it's, it's a good coaching adjustment. I mean, they're just going to force him to, to shoot those shots because they know he's going to miss them. Man, it's, it's just smart coaching. Good. Good, Smitty. Yeah, I got a question for Stevie before we uh, change topic here. Uh, I know Maddie has a ticket on Jalen Brown finals MVP with, at a very nice price. Who do you think right now? Let's just say this continues to go how it's going right now. Or let's just say this. Let's say if the series was done now. Who do you think would get the MVP, Steve? Because they brought this up on Fall of the Money today. Um, Tatum's still getting up. A lot of people still think it's Tatum. I kind of disagree. I'm going to go Brown on this, and I would be – Maddie should be cashing a ticket. But in your opinion right now, if the Celtics win MVP 
who wins? I mean, <laughs> it's almost like they're going to give it to the star. If it's close, it seems like it's it's almost just a rig system. They're going to give it to the, to the so-called star. I, I've seen it in a Super Bowl a few years ago when Atlanta beat uh, – come back and beat uh i mean uh when new england come back and beat atlanta uh, they gave the mv mvp to brady and the i think they had a running back that scored like three touchdowns and he should have got it i mean that james white james white yeah so it's it's almost like it's rigged to where they always going to give it to the star player tatum's a you know jalen brown's a star but he's not the star you know so i i think they're going to probably give it to Tatum, but in my opinion, I would give it to Jalen Brown or maybe even Marcus Smart because let's face it, the old saying goes, offense wins games, defense wins championships. Marcus Smart is the best defender on that team. He's locking them down when they in the fourth quarter, and he's he's the man. I mean, I I, I would I would make an argument that he's he should maybe get it, but right now I would pick Jalen Brown, but I don't think he's gonna win it. I think they're gonna give it to Tatum. I like those answers. And here's a, a just one quick thing before we move on. So Brown dropped, I believe, from plus 600 to plus 350 going in today for the MVP odds. I got him at 33 to 1, Stevie, probably a month and a half ago when the playoffs kind of started. I just took a flyer. I figured the Celtics may make a run, see if I can get a finals MVP. So I'm looking good there. And I think, I think you're right. I think Tatum still holds the edge. But I think if one of these next two games, if it's close, and I know this is a long shot, but if Brown, say, perchance hits the winning shot or something that people are going to remember, I think that gives him the nod if they end up winning the series. Otherwise, I still think it's Tatum, even though his number has not moved or gone up or down. So I don't know. I, I really hope Brown gets me a nice long shot ticket here. Well, Tatum did struggle in game one. And I mean, that, but it's – we talked about it on the one more podcast. It's, it's funny how people and how they view sports. It's like, what have you done for me lately? People don't won't remember game one. They're going to remember the last game they've seen. So that's going to be the most important game. Your best bet is, you know, on whatever the, the last game of the series is. If, if, you know, Tatum has an off game and Jalen Brown has scores 30, you, you, you might be in, you know, but if I was you, I'd probably take a little hedge on Tatum, you know, I don't know how much you're going to get, but I, I would almost guarantee it's going to be one of those two guys. You know, All right, boys, let's shift over to the Belmont. we got the race running on Saturday. This is the longest leg of the Triple Crown, one and a half miles compared to the shorter distances at the Preakness and the uh, Derby. Really small field here, Steve. We only have eight horses. Uh, the Derby winner, Rich Strike, is in this. We know that you are a supreme under the radar pony handicapper so give us a little insight into the race and hey maybe even throw a little picks our way yeah sometimes i have i get lucky you know but in fact i got lucky sunday i hit a nice little pick five at santa anita 5900 so i did okay with that but uh but anyway uh you know i looked at this race and a lot of people so-called horse experts think the one we the people uh, breaking from the rail is going to steal the race because they're saying that they don't have any speed in the race. Well, you know, trainers can create speed. And that's what I see Todd Fletcher doing. You know, this is this is his 
the race. Most most trainers want to win the Derby. Not saying he does it, but he seems to have a lot of success in the Belmont over the years. This has been his race. And he's putting that horse, the Philly, nest in this race, I think, to be the rabbit, to go out and kill the one, to set it up for Mo Donegal. I think the race sets up really well for Mo Donegal and Barbara Road. I, you know, I think that's a good exacta. Six, eight. I, I couldn't bet. I could be wrong. I, I, I may be wrong with the rich strike, but I couldn't bet that horse with counterfeit money. I think he's a fraud. He <laughs> outran his odds. If he wins, I'm just going to say congratulations and tear my tickets up because I, I can't bet him. Um, not saying he can't run third or fourth, but I, I don't see him getting in the winner's circle. I think this race sets up really well for the six and the eight. And I mean, I think the one might hang on for a piece. Um, I do think the five has a shot to hit the board also. I, I'm going to make my ticket. I think I'm going to go six, eight over one, five, six, eight. That's going to be my exact. So love it. Uh, I, I too am a fan of Mo Donegal and I'm probably going to put him in an exacta. I might actually just throw in the, uh, Skippy long stocking, try to get some better odds in there, maybe get a little better payout, but I haven't really dug into it yet. I do like Mo Donegal to win. That's that's my horse for this one. So, yeah, yeah I'm Maybe. right with you. I'm on the six also. I I was very high on the six um, in the Kentucky Derby too, but it had just a, uh, you know, it was on the it was uh, I think the number one post. It was on the rail. Bad start. I think overall though, um, if you break it down, I think the the six is the best horse. Now condition wise. Stevie, I want to ask you, there's some chances, some people in some articles have said maybe rain up there, and then I looked in it, now it doesn't, but if it is bad conditions, is there one that maybe it would change your opinion on the race? Uh, if it's bad conditions, I, I have a tendency to not like closers as much if it is raining. I think that would benefit the one. And the three, because it's it seemed like it's, you know, it just depends on the tracks. I mean, it, they they play games just like we're talking about with the officials in the NBA. These guys <laughs> play games with these tracks. I mean, I don't know what they do to them, how they seal them or what, but I've seen it work both ways. I've seen closers closing a slop, but I've it just seems that more often than not, front runners do better in the slop. It's just tougher to come from way back when it's sloppy i don't know why but you know but like i said they play games with these tracks and seal them and you know sometimes they make the tracks when it's sloppy rain they can seal them and it it'll play like it does like a fast track it'll be wet fast so it just depends but i mean i think the uncle mo horse can run on anything so i mean and i don't think he's gonna be like coming from the clouds uh like rich strike did but i think he's gonna be up a little closer in this race but there's no doubt he had a horrible trip in, in church in the Derby uh, and breaking from the rail with 20 horses is never a good thing, especially when you don't have a lot of speed. If you, when you break in from the rail, you want to be able to, to get out there. You know, you don't want 18 horses crossing over in front of you. So Stevie, uh, in case you didn't know on our crew here, Jay Cam and his brother used to be huge horse guys. I'd find these guys down at one of our local tracks on occasion sitting down there all day drinking and playing pick tens or whatever they were doing down there. But so Jay cam, give us a little, 
give us your dime on this one. No, I was going to say, Stevie said something off air, which I think is really critical. The most important horse in this race may not hit the board, but it's the number three horse, it's Nest, because you got an all-star game bullpen here. You got one starter, and you got a bunch of closers. And it is, if the conditions are a little off, there's a good chance that speed just gets out in front, and these guys, it pulls away. I think that's what, I think is what some people are seeing here. They really need Nest to kind of stock that one horse and kind of wear out, wear them out and bring those closers into play. So, you know, if one gets away from everybody, it could be just, you know, one of those deals. Cause I think that's the best way that horse is going to win is just go for it and hope that he can outrun uh, the rest of the field. Because like you said, there's not a lot of pure speed, but there's a lot of closers in this race. And I think people will mistake the Belmont as because of the distance, that's a pure closers race. But unfortunately it's, it's so long that sometimes those horses wear out too. And more times than not, you see a horse that has a lead early actually kind of finishes and holds on. But uh, yeah, that's the key for me. I just want to point out is that number three, if, if number three is sitting right on number one's butt, then I think Stevie's car is going to come right in. But if one runs away, I think one's definitely going to cash here. So Stevie, uh, out of the long shots, there's really only two golden glider and uh, skippy long stocking. You see any of them making this board? I don't. I don't. I don't. I'd be very surprised if if Carl gets a all bomb in this one. I know that's how he likes to play. He had the exact in the in the turkey with the all button. But no, I I think this race is going to play true with a form. And uh, you know that was a good point. Uh, a lot of times the speed does hold in longer races. A lot of people think the longer the race, the better chance the closers have, and that's not necessarily true. Um, I actually find closers do better in, in six furlong races than anything that like, because a lot of times you get those horses that go out there real fast and then they wear out and then the, the closers, you know, in, in those longer races, the front runners have a more time to, to rate their horses and relax them. And sometimes if they get a shake, even if they get an easy lead, they'll shake free on the front and, and not stop. And that could happen here with the one. I mean, I, I don't see it happening. Like I said, the three is the is the X factor in this race. I'll I'll know who's going to win the race after the first uh, probably, the, you know, the first t- tick comes up of half a mile. You know, I, I'll know who's going to win the race. Once I see the fractions and where the three is at, I'm going to know whether I'm good or not. That's just, you know, pace makes the race. And it, it's that's just the truest thing i could say for a horse handicap it's, it, that's going to determine the outcome of this race so before we let you go can you tweet out immediately if your ticket is good or not i'd like to see some reactions <laughs> what you mean right like after the first quarter you want me to tell you <laughs> yeah I, I want it up on the board i just want you to say i'm good or this ticket's a coaster all right. Yeah, I'll try to remember that Saturday. <laughs> I'll put a set an alarm. Hopefully you don't have too many fears. This race is so long, you could have live betting during it. I mean, a mile and a half That's is true. Insane. Yeah, no doubt. So, Steve, before you drop, uh, give us a little plug. Uh, um, I'll hit your Twitter handle one more time. It's Shrimp Cocktail 8. He runs, well, he's one of the mainstays on the One More podcast, which is, I believe, on Spotify and Anchor. So give a little plug and then we'll, uh, we appreciate your time and then you can just drop off. Okay, guys. Yeah. Um, I haven't been too active on the Twitter. I've been kind of busy. So, I mean, it's not that I, I was posting some plays on that through the college basketball, but this time of the year, it kind of 
thing when things slow down. I'm not a big baseball guy. I mean, I play it, but it's not something that I really want to post because it's probably my least favorite sport and my I'm le- probably uh, the mo- my most unsuccessful sport, I should say, you know. But as far as uh, the one more podcast, it was interesting. You know, I've been knowing Carl Johnson. He, he's now the uh, racing sports book director at the Borough Vage, but I've been knowing Carl shit probably 15 years uh since he was a ticket writer at the mirage and i've been going out to vegas a long time and we got to be friends one day i went to the counter and he said you from louisiana i said i sure am he's like i'm from baton rouge and we ever since then we kind of hit it off and then we stayed you know stayed friends over the years and then uh you know he introduced me he got on the beeson with uh Michael Lombardi and he got in he got to be friends with uh Berman and Ryan Hyatt um uh, interviewed him a couple times on his show and then we just it just was like a perfect melting pot we we got together and created the podcast and you know it's a good group of guys you know it just we we got to be pretty good friends and you know I enjoy doing it every week with those guys I mean we 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 definitely put out some some good stuff some funny stuff and you know that's like I told Carl, all we want to do is give them winners and make them laugh, you know? So that's what we try to do. Great stuff, Steve. We actually, I actually want to do a big conglomerate again with you guys one night and have all eight, nine of us or whatever it is and just round table sports talk. Maybe when football season starts getting close, we can shoot the SHIT. Definitely. Definitely. All Look right. Forward. We appreciate the time, buddy. Uh, we uh, will definitely reach out to you and hit us up on the Twitter, especially on Saturday, man. All right, man. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate right. the time. All right. All right, Q. I know you've been chomping. Oh, you know, can I just jump in? This is like Christmas morning. <laughs> Some people like Christmas morning. Some people like a lot of things. Man, Q. I bet he's just ready to go. Let's rock and roll, Q. I'm well, excited. Well, Kaminsky's in here. Let's let him roll. One more. Kaminsky's got one more. Let's go. No, I was I was calling for the bullpen. Bring Q in. He's warmed uh, up. He's, oh, ready. he's been sitting down there, firing, oh, oh, you know, drinking coffee, taking greenies. I know, people, I know green. people can't see us, but hold on here. Let me get let me get oh, ready geez. here. So, in in the legendary words of Lou Brown, "Give me Vaughn." Q, the floor is yours. Let's Smitty, go. I can't even see that hat. It, it's I don't even see losers. Uh, hey, listen, oh. I'm I'm in. I'm ready out of the bullpen. I'm the ace for the uh, the college baseball roster for this team. But I got to throw a quick quick issue I had out there. My Gators they didn't throw the race on two days of rest. Um, I do understand the aspect. You know, Kevin O'Sullivan likes to save the arms, and and I think that's respectful to an extent. But at some point you got to figure out where that fine line of protecting kids in exchange for losses. Um, and, and I think in that situation, you know, with Florida being up three to one, you know, coming off a five and a half hour rain delay in 10 hours, the kid's throwing his bullpen, getting ready potentially for another start, you know, daily agenda. You, to me, you, I don't necessarily think you throw them in the last out of the seventh, eighth and ninth, but, you get that last out in the seventh, then you get a two-run lead. You throw him to the eighth, then you know you bring it to a couple solid freshmen. One of them ended up being a freshman All-American and had like 42 appearances, Blake Burnell. 
I think you just have to go down, you know, with your best and, and you just say, hey, you know what? I wasn't going to throw him 60 pitches. I, I pitched to the ninth and we lost it. Or you go and you win it. I mean, he threw Jackson Coar uh, on one day's rest, you know, in the College World Series and they won the College World Series. So I, I just don't see the logic there. Um, but hey, congrats to Oklahoma. They're one of the hottest teams, Big 12 champs. You know, they're dangerous. Um, and then we'll kind of quickly break down some of this. So they'll be heading to uh, Virginia Tech, which will be uh, the first time Tech is hosted in Super Regionals. They, you know, they had a little scare, right? State initially on Friday in the Regionals gave them a, a little tough. Uh, I want to say they pulled within uh, one run. It was five to four in like the sixth or seventh. And then obviously Tech just kind of pounded on there. Um, Columbia, Columbia from the Ivy League, hell of a showing, you know, in Blacksburg. Credit to those boys. You know, obviously, Ivy League baseball is in top notch compared to your big time colleges. But uh, I thought they played well. Um, Ryan Hyatt, I thought Texas Tech played really well. It just seemed like the bats, you know, kind of went dead. Uh, you know, you hate to see it. Jace, Jace Jung, your, your best player, you know, bases loaded, bottom of the nine, two outs, hits a chopper to end the inning. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better situation. It just didn't play out. Uh, but I thought Texas Tech had a, a decent showing as well. Um, a little breakdown for Super Regionals. Uh, the ones I'm not really going to spend time on, like Stanford, I, I think they'll have it pretty easy on UConn. Um, I know this guy, Matt Grissom, that we've recently followed through Tim Murray. He likes UConn for a series. Um, and I can understand that. I mean, they hit really well. You know, they clobbered Maryland. The thing I don't like about UConn is they couldn't close out games against a Maryland team that's kind of on a run right now. They're not really prominent in uh in college baseball they're just having a good year um hopefully that transitions to better baseball but uh i don't know i, I just got you know an eye-opening experience against texas state they're pretty lucky to be there but i think they'll bounce back um tennessee i mean tennessee is gonna absolutely route anybody let's i want to go through game after game here I we are a lot of notes here Let's do a lot of notes here. Let's go back to the Stanford-UConn game. Let's do a little quick roundtable of each okay. super regional, and let's get our pick here. I get, <laughs> I have I have an index card here. I got, go. I got dogs barking, families <laughs> coming in. Let's get after it, man. I, I want to break this down here, Q. So, Q, let's start with you. Go back to Stanford-UConn, man. Who is your pick? Uh, I, I like Stanford. Um UConn might be able to steal game one, uh, maybe a Saturday. Like, I'm not going to say it's 2-0 sweep. I would be confident in a 2-0 sweep, but I just don't think UConn matches up, you know, to Stanford. Stanford's the number two team country. You know, they can – they obviously showed in game uh, – in their last game against Texas State, they, they can hit the bomb uh, at will when they finally woke up. You know, they have uh, elite pitching, great defense – you know, I, I just think they're a dominant team. I mean, when you're number two in the country, you're there for a reason. And credit to UConn, I just think they're going to run into a uh, to a Goliath. J Cam, I thought we were waiting for Eddie. <laughs> yeah, I was. At, we, there's an index card. I got, I got family coming in. My wife's asking me questions. I'll break down the Stanford UConn. I'll dive right into this. Here we you know, go. I think you said some great things there. You know, Stanford, third straight, super regional. I like their hitting, you know, 20th, 307 average. Um, they score runs. The thing is, great ERA, 12th in the nation, 3.89 ERA, deep staff here. But here's the thing, UConn also, very good staff, 3.417 ERA, six shutouts this year. I'd look for maybe 
maybe the first game, if you're going to play this, maybe an under. I don't know what the line is right now, but I think I think it's way too much for UConn. Could they steal one, in my opinion? I'm not the expert. I went six and four in the regionals last week. I'm not the expert on the team here. I think this game, I think this series could be, could UConn steal one? I think they could. I'm going to go Stanford two and one, and they go to Omaha. All right. I, I, I am going to chime in. I'm with uh, Tim Murray's friend. I'm on team UConn. I actually think Stanford should have lost Texas State. Um, I think Texas State outplayed them. I think Stanford may have blown their wad just to get here. I'm, and out of all these brackets, we have talked off air all the time. There's, it, it's, it's all the powerhouses. But somebody's going to sneak in there, and I think it's going to be UConn. I think they're going to be the one to steal the big, the big show from Stanford and get in. Now, will they do any damage in the, the World Series? I highly doubt it. There's, there's going to be some big times there. But I do. like you. If I'm going to take a flyer bet, it, it is on UConn. I, I don't disagree. I think UConn has good stats. I think you have to weigh it, though, because they're playing in the Big East, which is not as good of a league as the Pac-12. Um, but, I mean, for one, plus one 155 for the series, I mean, that's a decent price for a decent UConn team. But you're taking, I think you're taking it kind of as a uh, speculative play. You, Stanford probably will come out of this, but I just think that's a pretty good price on UConn. Okay, let's jump across the bracket. Since Smitty wants to do this, we got to go kind of quick, though. So we'll do the, the easy one, in my opinion. Tennessee, Notre Dame. I actually don't think Notre Dame is going to be able to slow these guys down. I think this is probably a 2-0 Tennessee win. I agree. It's going to be 2-0. I mean, I as much as I hate him, I respect him. Uh, Coach Vitale, he's got that team playing invincible right now. Jordan Beck, uh, Trey Lipscomb, some of the best hitters in college baseball. They probably have the best pitching staff between, you know, Blake Tidwell, who was your number one coming into the season, he's injured. Now he's your number four behind uh, Chase Dollander, Beams, and Burns. I mean, when you have four potentially first-round pitchers, like, you can do some heavy damage. Yeah, this is a team that's just dominant. You know, they're coming in 11th, hitting 311. They're number one in the country, 150 home runs. Nine shutouts this year. Team ERA, 2.38. But here's the thing about Notre Dame. They're seventh in ERA, too. They're 3.82 team ERA. 3-0 in their uh, regional low-scoring games. Only gave up seven runs. Could they steal one here? I think they could steal one. I think Tennessee's just way too good to lose here uh, in Knoxville. I think Tennessee – I think Notre Dame could get one, but Tennessee's just way too good. J.K.? I mean, I don't disagree with anyone, but it, I thought number one seeds don't get out of this round. <laughs> like, is it this, oh, no. is this where they go to die, or is this is it Omaha where they go to die? That would be the only thing. Notre Dame is probably – it's been really good all year. Uh, a guy named Boyd, who I found, who tries to do something that's similar to what Ken Palm does for basketball, has him as this 10th best team. I think that might be a little bit of a reach after seeing these teams in person. But they can pitch a little bit. They actually scored some runs this year. You know, plus 240 is a nice price, but it does seem like Tennessee is really, really good. But it is interesting. At plus 240, that I, I get a little tingle. I don't know if I'm going to pull the trigger of that. All right, let's drop down. Uh, here's my most intriguing matchup. Uh, Texas versus East Carolina. I told 
uh, these guys from our show that I was probably going to bet on all the dogs and just see what I can come out of in this round. Texas was the original number one team in the country to start the season. Now they're going up against a really good East Carolina team. I actually think Texas is, is that team that's catching fire at the right time. They might be the only threat. I, well, I'm not going to say only threat. I think they are a threat to Tennessee, but I actually see Texas advancing in this series. Yeah, it was kind of a coin flip for me. Obviously, it'd be cool to see ECU finally get to the Omaha. Uh, I just don't think it's this year. Every time they make Super Regionals, they get a, a brutal draw. I mean, they have Vandy one year. Now you're playing Texas. I mean, it's just bad luck for those guys. Like, if they could have matched up with UConn, I think they get in. But Pete Hansen's probably the top five pitcher in the country. Ivan Melendez is, is to me, the best hitter in the country. Um He's the first guy since Chris Bryant did 30 home runs. You know, they have others. Though. Trey Faltine, their catcher can hit, Ardwan. Um, you know, even their pitchers like Tristan Stevens, solid behind Hanson, uh, Luke Harrison. Like, I know the coach made those comments about ECU saying, like, their players get, you know, beer poured on them and stuff like that. Like, ECU is a pretty wild school. It's a party school. It is what it is. Uh, I, I just think they, they just got a bad draw. And I think Texas, like you said, they're – they had that middle of the season woe after being number one in the country, and, and they're catching fire right now, and they're dangerous. Yeah, I think Draymond Green came out last night and said Boston's horrible, and so is ECU. That's just my opinion. <laughs> just- hey, I, will, I will give a quick shout-out. Uh, Zach Agnos, the, the star player for ECU, is from uh, Manassas, Virginia. So, you know, if they make it, I'll be rooting for him hardcore. You know, he's a solid player. Uh, he's playing for his dad. He passed away. So, you know, I hope all the best for him. Yeah, you know, I think Q hit on something great here. It's a it's a fantastic program. Uh, you know, I've talked uh, with Q a couple times about this ECU program. 0-6, though, all-time super regional. And I think he made a great point here is they've just had some tough draws. And I think also they put these games, if I'm correct, and Q would probably be the one that can correct me on this. I think they're all early games, which is a shame. They should put these games a little later, get the party atmosphere going a little bit here. You know, they're 26 and nine at this field. This place is going to be going crazy. Two really good outfielders. I think it's Warrell and Hoover, big time bats. I love this Texas team. We've talked about this Texas team when we've um, talked about college baseball. I think Hugh hit it really well here. I think the pitching, Hansen is so good. Both teams, though, one thing to keep an eye on, if, the more I dove into this, both of these teams are just fantastic defensively. Not going to be a lot of errors. I think it's going to be very fundamental baseball. I think these are going to be close games. I'm going to take a chance. I like Texas to, uh, to beat this team and go on to Omaha. Jake Ham. I think I'll go for Longhorns as well. All right. Over across the bracket, let's go with uh, number 10, UNC going against Arkansas. I don't have I don't have too many thoughts on this one. I'm probably going to roll woke Pig Suey, though, and take a little shot with them on, in this matchup. I think technically they are the underdog here, so I'll give them a little love. Yeah, I'm going to be with you on Arkansas. You know, uh, it's cool to see UNC baseball kind of back in the mix. They kind of fell off for six or seven years, uh, so they're a good team to have. But Arkansas, I think, is kind of catching hot, uh, just like Texas. I mean, they started pretty high. They were up to, like, 
number two or three in the country, and then they lost two or three to Florida, and they kind of had a, a, a downspout uh, for a little week, little while. But, uh, you know, I thought they played, you know, what they did in uh, Oklahoma State's area. You know, that was incredible. I mean, they put up like 65 runs. You know, they battled in those games. Uh, but I, I just think they have too much power right now. Um, you know, Bat- Jalen Battle, uh, Wallace, Slavens, Lanzilli, like, they're a formidable lineup. They all bat for power. Uh, I just think Arkansas kind of bests UNC here. I just think they're the hotter team uh, with a little deeper talent. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you guys. I think Arkansas, what you saw last weekend, really came and just – I thought Oklahoma State was going to, you know, come out of there, and there were some high-scoring games there. I think it comes down to this first game between the two starters um, – I think it's Nolan out of Arkansas, the pitcher. UNC, though, has been very good at home. If my notes are correct, they're 18 and three um, in their last um, 21 there coming out. So, can they get the home field here? I, I'm going to go with you guys too. I, I think I think Arkansas is going to get them. I think they're. I think both you said it correct. I think they're the team that's peaking a little bit right now. So I'm going to go with Arkansas also. I will follow you guys on Arkansas. Looks like they are uh, a little bit better pitching stats, and I do think they may be trying to redeem themselves after last year. All right. Let's go to the matchup of the hospitality, hospitality State or the Magnolia State. We actually have Southern Miss and Ole Miss matching up. I'm going to roll the Golden Eagles. I know Ole Miss actually played a hell of a, a regionals there. And uh, snuck that out. I- I'm going to roll with the Golden Eagles, though, and I really don't have a reason. I- they're one of the favorites, technically, uh, ranking-wise, that I do like this week. I'm right there with you, Matt. They, uh, they're they a scrappy team, and-, and we talked about this off air a couple days ago. Like, I think they're a small market. Um, I think, that, you know, they have a good program every year. But, you know, Omaha-wise, they're, they're that small team I think is going to make it. Um, Ole Miss, you know, Blue Blood. Tim Elko's by far their best player. I think Southern Miss, if you can avoid them, you know, they're going to walk him and just kind of, in my opinion, take him out of the game. I mean, you saw what he did. He batted like 778 in Coral Gables for the regional. Um, you know, I'll, I'll take a walk. Hell, if the bases are loaded, like I might consider walking him and try to limit, you know, one run to four run damage, um, that mentality. And But Southern Miss has got really great pitching. You know, I, I, I don't know who their ace is off the top of my head, but – it just seemed like when I watched them through this whole regional, like all of them stepped up really well and then uh, on the mound and then, you know, at the plate, like they just very clutch hitting uh, at the right time and, and clutch hitting can win championships. Smitty, before you go real quick, I love what you just said. One thing I would do, say that Elko kid comes up, bases juice. You know what I'm actually doing? I'm not walking him. I'm actually hitting him. I know that's <laughs> dirty, but – I mean, you're not going to get thrown out because because you're not – they can't say you're throwing at them. Who wants to give up that run? I'm plunking them, and I'm going to make them think, of, think about it next time it comes out. Sorry, Smitty, go ahead. No, that's – no, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> no, I again, this, this was a tough one. I, I took Old Miss in a parlay, I think, on Monday, and they scored, a, you know, a ton. And Q said it, Elko was, it was just fantastic, the stats. I mean – 778, three home runs, seven RBIs, five walks in that regional. You know, the thing, this is going to be fun because 
the crowd, I think, is just going to be, you know, they're so close, mixed crowd. It's going to be just insane. I This is maybe one that I'm really – I really like the Texas ECU matchup to watch. I think this one's right there too. Uh, Q said it. It's a very good pitching staff. It's a very deep pitching staff. I think they have a couple guys under like 3.0 ERA. It's deep. It's a good fundamental team. Man, I was I was leaning old Miss. The more I looked at it today before we did the show, I think I'm going to go Southern Miss. Jay Kim. The two teams play two midweek matchups during the season, split it. I think it's a real split series. Even if you look at the price right now, Southern Miss minus 120, Ole Miss minus 110. Thank you, DraftKings, for the extra juice on all these games. But you're actually carrying them, so we'll have to give you credit. Uh, I don't think it's Southern Miss. I had them in the first round uh, in the regionals, one on that future. Um, like you said, they have a really good bullpen. They have a lot of arms. Um, I think we talked with Ryan Hyatt, and he said the pitching plays more in this round because there's only three games. And uh, so I'm going to go with the yeah, Golden Eagles as well. Go Brett Favre. Sorry, Tim, I'll go, but you're getting plunked. <laughs> All right. All right, let's go Word over. One. <laughs> let's go over across the bracket. Uh, number five, Texas A&M plays Louisville. Q, I know Louisville is one of your sleepers. I'm going to roll with you. I'm actually going to take the dog. Give me the Cardinal to, for the uh, upset in the uh, Supers here. So they're actually not my sleeper. I took them just to beat Michigan in that day. I just thought Michigan was a little overrated, um, you know, in that matchup. They didn't really have a good year, and I didn't really see them making a run like they did in 2019. Um, I, I think the Aggies get them here. I, I just think they have a little better pitching. I mean, you have Detmer uh, as your number two, and he's the number one on probably 90% of college baseball teams. Palace should start game t- uh, game one. He's their ace by far. Um Dylan Rock, Austin Bose, like the Aggies have good hitting. So does Louisville. I mean, their top three hitters are roughly, you know, 20 home runs each. But I just think, like like Jason just said, uh, via Ryan Hyatt, you know, pitching really does matter. And I think when it comes down to it, the Aggies have a little better pitching than Louisville. Plus, you know, Aggie baseball is huge. So the fans, you know, we're going to be there. Uh, it's going to be loud, you know, at your home field. And, and, and I think that really matters. Uh, and especially with these 18, 19 year old pitchers and things like that. So I think Louisville just lacks the pitching and they get beat here. I'm going to take the Aggies in, in three. Damn you. Well, Matt, I, I'm right there maybe with you here. This is a tough one because I was on Louisville a lot here and diving into this, and I'm no expert. I'm going to say that really fast here. I'm no expert. I did go six and four last week. Not bad. Not bad for somebody that, you know, not bad. Just saying. But here's the thing. I mean, Dylan Rock, like you said, stud player. Diving into Texas A&M's pitching staff, though, I wasn't very impressed. They're deep. They have some arms, but the ERAs, I think, here's the best play in this, what I dove into. I think the over in these games. Because if you dive into this, Louisville is 14th in the country, 309 average. They're 93 home runs for the year, 28. They average 8.7. AM can score too. Now, if you look at, I like the stolen bases too. Louisville is 22nd, 101 stolen bases down there. The only thing that scares me a little bit is this. Down the stretch, the Cardinals did not play extremely well. And the more I dove into this over the last couple of days for our listeners, man, Texas AM just has not dropped a three game series in a long, long time. 
So that scares me. Great atmosphere. I think this is tight. I think it goes three games. I hate to say it. I love Louisville here, but I'm going to go Texas A&M. Jake Kim, help me out. Sorry. (laughs) You got me good. I I agree with everything he's saying there. Gig him. Uh, Louisville's pitching is not going to hold up. I've already won some money betting against Louisville pitching with Pitt and a couple other games, so I'm going to continue that trend, and I will take the Aggies. Well, I know one series I'm going to be watching hard, and that it's going to be that one just against <laughs> you. All right, I want to save one one grouping for the last, so I'm going to jump across the bracket. We're going to go back over to the other side. We're going to do number three, Oregon State Beavers, taking on number 14, Auburn Tigers. I actually think this – on paper is a really good matchup, but I think Oregon State just has too much power, too much potential. They have the pedigree right now. They're playing really well. I'm going to advance them. It'll probably go three, but I like Oregon State. Yeah, I like Oregon State, too. I know uh, like Kendall Rogers and Aaron Fit, they're probably the lead college baseball experts. I believe they like Auburn. Uh, I, I just think game one, it's it's two Oregon State. Cooper Herp, Jerpy's their best pitcher. He's a pitcher of the year. I mean, the kid's absolutely nasty. Um, so game one to Oregon State. And I, I just think they have, you know, bullpen committee. Uh, Corvallis is a is, – it plays like it's 275 feet fences, which is crazy. But those fans out there, I mean, they live and die Oregon State baseball. Um, and, and I just think that Oregon State's got just an off offense. Uh, their shortstop can hit. Melton can, is, is probably their best hitter. Um, I, I think they take out Sonny Deshera, kind of like Tim Elko. Maybe you hit him, you know, if, if you're back coaching. Uh, but if you take Sonny Deshera out, you know, I just think that kind of throws off Auburn's mentality i think they kind of live off of him now they hit really well in regionals but i do think they slow down when they face some dominant pitching uh here in, in corvallis so give me oregon state it might go three but i wouldn't be surprised if it's a sweep so before i dive in here i think what we've learned tonight on the show is don't hire matt for like a teener league or like a low league team because he's going after your best player he's going hard tight hand i love it that's like Roger Clemens, man. I love it. Hey, I love it. That reminds me of that Josh Tower story when he's getting stared down from the dugout to, to hit uh, that guy for Carl Crawford's mistake. <laughs> yep. He doesn't care, man. Yeah, I love it so much. <laughs> Listen, I, I agree with you. I think Oregon State, if you really – you know, Auburn had an unbelievable – you know, they scored a ton of runs, man, on their home field last week in the regionals. Does the bat stay hot? They could. And again, Q, you mentioned a couple guys that are just really fantastic college baseball guys that are predicting this and they're going with that team. I disagree. I just six shutouts this year, you know, team can score. They average 7.6 runs per game, pretty good average, close to 300 as a team, Oregon State. Listen, their football team stinks. Their basketball team, well, they had one good run about a year ago. They were horrible this year. They live for this. They're going to be all into this so much. Deep staff. Jason just said it a couple of minutes ago, like Ryan said, deep staffs will be key in this weekend. Go Oregon State. Yeah, I'm going with the Beavs here. Actually, the Auburn got a really big boost from their home crowd. You could tell in that series that that was a really live environment and as much as I love uh, their first baseman because he's a complete unit, he has a physique that resembles my own, um, I'm going with Oregon State. 
Uh, I, I think they're actually a pretty good program. Obviously, they're number three seed coming into this. And uh, the, these teams are pretty even on offensive scoring for the year. It seems like the Beavers have the better pitching. And, uh, you know, the one thing you have to watch with this a little bit, this is, like I said, just coming into this for the first time, is you know, a lot of baseball guys love those teams that are below the Mason-Dixon line <laughs> and in the state of Texas. And the ones that are outside of that region – get a little bit of a short shrift here. So I think Oregon State might be one of those teams not getting enough love uh, because teams love them from Southern baseball. In case you guys are wondering, Jake Cam is kind of built like Dan Vogelback. There's our shout out of the day. <laughs> and he will, he will take you. skinnier than Dan Vogelback. It's amazing. <laughs> and, and he will lead off too. All right, last match, and then we can wrap it up. Uh, let's just I say, think- let's just say a couple of us, we might have to keep our t-shirts on swimming. Okay, let's just do that. <laughs> So, last matchup, I saved it just for Q. We have two of the hottest teams coming in. Oklahoma, really under the radar all year, now playing really well. A lot of talent, knocked out his Gators. And then we have Virginia Tech, who has just been on fire. Really came out of nowhere. They are destroying people. Really didn't get pushed too much in their regional. Q, I am going to actually take the upset here. I'm going to keep rolling the Sooners. They're my only live ticket. I might hedge it a little bit, but I'm going to play the Sooners. Look, they reality is that rainout doesn't happen. Florida's playing there. Uh, obviously, I would have liked to see that, but Oklahoma, obviously, uh, hey, they won the game. I mean, that's all that matters. Like the, we could play the what ifs, but the reality is. They won the game, so they're going to Blacksburg. They are hot. You know, Peyton Graham, skinny shortstop, looks like me out there, and he's just hitting bombs. Uh, I mean, incredible hitter. Uh, Jake Bennett, a lefty who throws, like, mid to high 90s, which is incredible for a lefty. You know, Trevin Michael, he's like a closer and a starter. Like, he can just run five, six innings, which is huge to have in a playoff atmosphere like this. Uh, Tanner Treadway is probably one of the best center fielders uh, in the game behind my Judd Fabian, um, you know, and even Virginia Tech, Nick Cross, their center fielder, he's probably top 10 overall pick this year. Um, it's going to be tough. Like, I think this is the the true coin flip thing, uh, region, super region. I, I think Tech could win, and people would be like, yeah, I'm not surprised. And then I think you look, if Oklahoma wins, hey, they're Big 12 champions, they're on fire, I'm not surprised. Um, you know, they went and handled business in Gainesville. They handled business in the Big 12 tournament. So there's no no reason they couldn't hear. Um, I am going to lean Virginia Tech. I, I just think, you know, overall, I mean, they have they bat like 315 as a team. They're nine hitters batting like 318, which is incredible. Um, they had like 120 home runs. They're third in the nation. So they obviously have pop. Uh, I would imagine Tech's crowd is going to be huge. Uh, because this is their first time ever hosting. And, you know, their baseball team's kind of been on the rise, sort of like Maryland, and Maryland had a hell of a turnout. Um, So I expect the same. Um, I I just think maybe this is where Oklahoma's run uh, when it comes to to offense and pitching. You know, they could slow down now. They've been so hot at some point they've got to kind of slow off and cool down. And I think Virginia Tech gets to Omaha and kind of has a historic run for that program, to be honest. But I'm not surprised either way. Yeah, Q, I mean, they're they're very good. Cross is going to be one of the top picks in the draft coming oh, up look, here. Smitty, we're real quick. Go ahead. Go ahead. Their tech's number one pitcher is Hackenberg. We all know the Hackenberg family. They're pretty athletic. Penn State quarterback, Penn State soccer. So they've obviously 
figured I'd throw that out there. Those PA boys, they love some Christian Hackenberg. First round. Is he going to like do happy feet on the pitching mound then? <laughs> and get a lot of balks. <laughs> Everything like wide right outside. Like. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, like I said, cross star player, Virginia Tech, very good at home, 13 and one. They're averaging about nine runs a game. The team can mash. There's no doubt. The thing with this, I really dove into this Oklahoma team. I like this Oklahoma team. And one of the reasons, man, they steal bases. Fourth in the country, 139 stolen bases. Pettis, Treadaway, um, Graham, like you said. Bennett, the pitcher, uh, eight wins, 112 strikeouts. Uh, Q hit on the closer that started the other day, I think through six or seven innings in one of the regional games. I like Oklahoma. I, I, I love this team looking at stuff. I, I saw some highlights of this. I dove into a little bit of watching some of their games over the weekend. I think this team is a very solid team. I like the magic right now with them. I'm taking Oklahoma. They're going to Omaha. It's you tough. Got, you got the two things. You got the hottest team against the team with the uh, best season, right? Virginia Tech's never been here before. They've got everything going. They've got all the numbers for the season. Um, you know, everything seems to like them. RPI, uh, the CISR rating that I found. Um, yeah, it's really tough. I would think just because of like Q said and what Smitty said, I think the best bet would be Oklahoma plus 115 because you're getting a nice little price there. But I think it's a coin flip series. Uh, I think it's a huge advantage that it's in Blacksburg. Um, I'm not sure how often uh, Oklahoma travels outside of their uh, neck of the woods to go play. So, uh, I'm gonna rule with the Hokies, but I'll probably gonna bet the Sooners. <laughs> <laughs> That's a smart man right there. Tweet <laughs> out the Hokies, but my bet slip's gonna be Oklahoma. So all, so when I really win. <laughs> well, what you're telling me is that at plus one fifteen, Oklahoma's a good price because they it probably is. should be plus some price somewhere around minus one ten or one fifteen. So yeah, I'm getting bet, a little juice. Betting wise, for Virginia Tech too. I think Oklahoma, if you're going to bet a dog, is is probably the most confident, you know, in winning a dog ticket, in my opinion. All right, Q, I'm going to put you on the spot. Give us your uh, travel itinerary for Omaha, who, which barstool guy you're going to hit on, and send us off. So we fly on Friday, so we'll catch – I mean, we fly on Saturday, so we'll catch uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. We fly back Tuesday. Uh, the wife said I couldn't stay out any longer or I might not have a house to come back to. But who knows? Maybe I'm real estate in Omaha and I'm, I'm just there. Um, I don't know. You know, I don't know if Barstool's coming. Uh, I know they uh, somebody had a death in the family, Brandon Walker. Uh, so respects to him. You know, that's obviously priority. I would assume Mincy's going to be out there. Love to get back with him. Um, we'll be at DJ's Dugout. It's an incredible bar out there. Great hospitality. Uh, cheap drinks. Good food. And then, uh, yeah, we'll be we'll be all over the stadium posting. And um, if anybody happens to recognize me, probably not because we don't have pictures. But uh, if I'm in a notebook wager and T-shirt and you want to take a picture, we'll post it up. So wait, is okay, DJ's right. the bar with the jello shots? Are they still doing that? So that, I believe, is that like Rose, I believe that's Rosenblatt's. But, yes, they still do do that. And, uh, wow, last year I think Virginia had, like, 80 jello shots and then uh, Mississippi State had about 8,000. Like it was a route. 
and they, they keep all track of all the colleges, but I think second place had like 2000 and Mississippi state at 8,000. It was incredible. People, Mississippi State fans last year were canceling beach trips to go to Omaha. Like, honey, put the beach chairs back, you know, get the old, because uh, <laughs> we're this, we're taking a reroute. It was 50,000 strong in Mississippi State, and the stadium holds 20, so. All right, boys, great stuff tonight. Check us out on Twitter, at Notebook Wagering. Our podcast is free. All this stuff's free for you guys. We love haters. We love love on Twitter. And that's all I got, boys. Uh, Bang your bookies, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Notebook Wagering Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. And be sure to follow at Notebook Wagering. Until next time.